Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today we've got uh, Patricia talking about an article uh, that she read. So uh, before we get going on catching up a little bit, could you tell us a little bit about what you're going to be diving into today? Sure. So I'm going to be talking about psychological capital, which I will define in a lot of detail. But basically, it's um, a number of resources that you can draw on to help you with your performance and to help you be more well. So it includes things like self-efficacy, optimism, hope, and resilience. And it's a really easy thing to actually develop. There's been some pretty good research around how to develop psychological capital. So how do you build those resources? And that's what I'm going to talk about. So it's an article all about how do you develop those resources. And I think it's really interesting because, you know, we talk a lot about actual things you can do on the job and and how you can get yourself in a better place that you can handle um, stressors. And psychological capital is one of those things that helps you handle stress and helps you um, handle adversity and get you through your workday in a, in a positive way. That's awesome. It's like a superfood of brain power. Like it combines <laughs> <laughs> resilience, self-efficacy, hope, optimism, like sounds like a good recipe for good stuff. So I'm excited to learn more about how to grow and create that at work. Um, speaking of uh, self-efficacy and resilience and hope and optimism, I know uh, you've had a couple of uh, stressful setbacks that you've been ta- showing our uh, listeners on Instagram. Uh, so I hope you're doing okay with everything. Uh, yes. My uh, my levels of optimism kind of vary a lot day by day. <laughs> so my cat just had surgery, which is so awful. Meh, um, but she's okay. She's doing okay. She We don't know the lab results yet, but she had a growth on her back and... Lucky for me, my uncle's a vet, um, as is his wife, my aunt. So both of them are vets. So we were super spoiled. So she got VIP treatment. She's doing really well um, in her recovery right now. But obviously, it's very stressful. And like I'm super, super nervous about the lab work. Um, so that's stressor number one. And stressor number two is my wedding venue canceled on us. Uh, yeah, which I don't even know where to go with that. So I'm just going to yeah. leave that there for people that probably <laughs> understand how stressful that could be. Um, so we're kind of scrambling for anybody listening that's invited to the wedding. Don't worry. It's still happening on the same day. Just <laughs> things are going to be looking a little bit different than expected. That's all. <laughs> yeah, it's super crazy that that happened. And like, I know, you know, not too long ago, having planned a wedding, like, the venue is a big deal and having a venue cancel on you first of all like they they better pay for their actions because they're out of line (laughs) but second um it's just like an unnecessary stressor it it will all work out but like it's just like you have enough going on without having to worry about uh this kind of stuff on top of it so um but I know that you'll be able to pull through it's been a good actual like modeling of how to try to maintain positivity and like focus on the good stuff and work-life balance because you've been doing a good job keeping it all together even though um, you've been having a having a hard time and I feel like you're doing it in a healthy fashion you're like allowing yourself to cope with your emotions but then also um, being able to to still be productive so I think I think you're doing a good job. (laughs) Well, thank you. It doesn't always feel that way, which I'm sure everyone could relate in this situation. But, you know, 
I think going back to the work-life balance, like that's so important. Sometimes life takes over and it's okay to not be the most productive on the day that your cat has surgery or you find out that your wedding venue canceled. <laughs> like that day may not be your most productive day and you can make up for it the next day. So I think that's really important to remember. And I really tried to remind myself of that too, instead of like freaking out that I, you know, maybe didn't um, do something that I needed to do that day right on time. Uh, obviously with certain deadlines for work, you can't always avoid things, but like, you know, I think there was one thing with, uh, with us internally, Katina for worker being that I didn't finish like that day. And I just did the next day. And I think we all survived it. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, I think it's knowing where you can kind of slip up a little bit if you need to, to take care of yourself, um, emotionally, like you said, and then also, you know, physically taking breaks. And I mean, honestly, this weekend I spent so much time just, I didn't, the cat is not so good with the cone. She tends to run into things and gets like really angry. So we don't want her to have to have it. And she's been actually really good about not trying to lick anything or bite anything, but we'd still take, have to watch her when it's off. So I feel like I spent a lot of my weekend just watching the cat. Like uh, that sounds crazy. She was sleeping. So it's not like I was like staring at her like nonstop, like as she was doing things like she was just sleeping nearby and I just had to keep an eye on her. Um, but you know, we kind of was a little bit lazier than maybe I would have been another weekend because of it. And I feel like it's okay. And you can forgive yourself for doing that sometimes. Yeah. The world totally goes on. Even if like in your brain, you think that it can't without you getting to stuff that you like thought was urgent but maybe isn't so I had food poisoning once and for anyone who's had food poisoning which I'm sure is a large majority of people listening um I had it once and you know you can't do anything when you have food poisoning and I had a bunch of (laughs) stuff to do that I thought was really important and none of it got done and actually the next day or two, it was kind of fine. Like everybody got over the fact that I had been sick and it was okay. So like, I think sometimes too, it, th- it things that seem super urgent, uh, if you have something stressful or something emotional that you need to deal with, usually under most circumstances, even things that you think are urgent don't really require your people are understanding if your attention needs to go someplace else and they're not as urgent as they seem. So I think that that's a good lesson that you took out of this scenario. And I know that you're you're an animal lover. You have so many people in your family, vets and zoo owners and things like that, that you have like animal blood. Well, not animal blood. (laughs) Well, technically, we are also animals. So, yes, I do have animal blood. (laughs) But you have animal lover blood. And so that's stressful. And then the wedding venue thing is just like crazy town USA. I wish I could just like say the name of the venue and be like, you suck on the podcast, but I won't do that to you. Um, (laughs) Maybe one day we will. Maybe one day. At some point we'll reveal potentially the crap people that did this to you because it makes Mm -hmm. me mad. (laughs) I know. Oh yeah. Yes. There was definitely, I feel like I still get angry, but um, I've been going through like all these different stages of emotions and the anger has subsided. I'm still angry when I really think about it, but now it's more like focusing on getting something better, you know, figuring out what we're going to do, um, and dealing with all of the, the logistics of meeting with other venues and talking to the planner and doing all that stuff that 
a lot of the anger is kind of calmed down, which is good. Because <laughs> I yeah. had like anger, sadness, freaking out, like literally hysterically crying, like not the most attractive moment of my life. But um, it happens. It's stressful. And I feel like there's all this pressure on weddings and everyone's so nervous about it and gets all worked up. And it's funny because I feel personally, I feel like I'm kind of like, whatever, like it'll be fine most for most of it. And then this happened and I was like, well, now I get to be one of those brides that's stressed out about her wedding when I was not at all. Um, <laughs> so here we go. I get to join the club and it sucks. <laughs> well, you're doing good role modeling of owning and like recognizing your emotions and allowing yourself to feel like angry, upset and sad, but then also and allowing yourself to like take time to cope with them appropriately and in a healthy fashion so that you're able to acknowledge them and then when all is said and done and, um, you know, things are rebooked and your little nittany is all better, then <laughs> you'll have dealt with it and you can move forward productively and everything will be good. So um, yes. you're doing a good job role modeling for everyone else. And now <laughs> you can tell people based on the research what they can do to build their own. Hopefully no one's cat is sick or their wedding venue is stupid. But <laughs> but maybe there's something else that's sick or stupid that you need help with to uh, to get through uh, with regard to psychological capital. So could you tell us what the article is that you're going to be talking about and like who wrote it and all the details? Sure. So the article is called Psychological Capital Development Toward a Micro Intervention. And it was published in 2006 in the Journal of Organizational Behavior written by a number of authors. So it's Luthans, Avi, Avolio, Norman, and Combs. So a lot of people involved. And it's actually really interesting because psychological capital, which I'll define in a second in more detail, is, as I mentioned, it's something that you can develop, you can grow, um, and help yourself build up these resources that can help you cope with stress and work and life and really everything um, on the emotional, psychological side of things. And it's not that hard to develop because this intervention that they published in 2006 actually has a lot of research since then that supports the intervention, how well it works. So there's a, been a lot of replication. Um, so in the scientific world, replicating a study is super important, right? You want to make sure that the results you get in one time is not the only time you ever see those results, right? You want to see that it keeps happening over and over and over again. And in this case, they do this intervention many times, a lot of different authors, and they keep seeing the same results that actually helps people develop their psychological capital. So I think that's really cool that there's been a lot of work already since 2006 to show that this intervention is pretty good and, and strong. That's definitely cool. Um, and I know for a lot of people who are unfamiliar with the terms, so it's it's really good to be able to grow your psychological capital but there are a lot of things in there that sound sort of similar like what's the difference between optimism and hope or what's the difference between self-efficacy and resilience so could you um, define a little bit what those four terms mean and uh, what the differences between them are sure so I'm just going to go down a list and explain them all and then we can talk about them if you think that there's more that we should dive into so self-efficacy is 
well, to me, it feels self-explanatory because I feel like I've studied this word a lot, but a lot of people probably don't know what it is. Um, but it refers to a person's confidence in their ability to control outcomes and to succeed when they're addressing difficult challenges, right? So it's basically how confident you are in accomplishing a goal or um, controlling the situation around you. So are you confident that you can meet your deadlines or um, over? Here we go. Overcome the challenge of your wedding venue canceling on you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel confident that we will make it work. And that would mean I have high self-efficacy in that situation. So um, the next one is optimism. And this one is, I think it's kind of similar to what most people think optimism is. It's really about your expectation of positive outcomes. So if you're high in optimism, you think that things are going to work out well. You think that the wedding will happen and will still be beautiful, even though the venue is different. Um, and really, it's a motivation to work towards those goals, too. So it's not only just being positive uh, and thinking that things are going to work out, but you're kind of motivated to make sure it happens because you know it's going to work out. So you're going to work towards that. Yeah. So it's kind of like, You can be optimistic and say, generally in life, I feel like good things are going to happen to me. I'm optimistic that, you know, things will work out. But then efficacy is kind of this idea that I feel like I personally have the skills to make it happen. So they're a little bit different than a general positive outlook on life and your personal confidence in yourself to make these good things be, you know, become true. Um, so is that right? Or that, is that kind of, do I kind of have, a, have those two so far? Yes, you do. And then hope's cool. going to throw us through a loop because it's similar hope to is so tricky. And I've been reading, <laughs> like I mentioned, I have been, I have another paper that I'm writing that's just on hope. And so, um, I have been reading so many articles on hope and I still hope as we are going to define it is very different than what probably most people think of as hope because most people think of hope as more like optimism. That's what I kind of think people think like just generally like, Oh, like I hope something good's going to happen. And it's kind of like a throwaway, you know, um, sort of just like sentiment, but tell us what it really is. Yes. And we actually have a whole podcast episode that we already aired on hope. So if you want to really dive into hope, that's a good one to listen to. Um, but hope is made up of two, components. So agency, which is your motivation to succeed at a specific task, right? In a certain context, you're like really, you really feel motivated to accomplish a goal, for example, and pathways. It's those are the ways in which you are going to accomplish the goal or like pathways are the ways that you think you can. So what are the different ways that you can reach your goal? So if you have high hope, then you're really putting a lot of energy towards meeting your goal. And you're thinking through and developing different options to help you meet that goal in case you run into any obstacles. Did I get that right based on all your readings? Yes. Yes, you did. So yeah. So it's kind of like, so now if we go back to the three, so self-efficacy is like, I generally believe that I have the skills to tackle this. Optimism is I generally believe that good things are going to happen. And hope is I'm motivated to reach my goal and I can think about many concrete ways that I might be able to get there um, so that if I face challenges, I've already sort of preconceived how I'll get around them. So those are the three we had so far. And now resilience, (laughs) which is sort of similar to the pathway part of hope, but not quite the same. So, yeah. 
So resilience is a nice little bow at the end of all this, right? So not now you're confident and you think positive things are going to happen. You're motivated to work towards those goals and you know different ways how you can get there. Resiliency is the ability to bounce back when you face adversity or failure or some sort of uncertainty and be able to adapt and change your approach. So basically, if you think about it, if you get your hope, you're, you're high in hope, you've got your pathway and then let's say all those pathways fall apart or you fail in one of them if you could lose some you know you might lose some steam because of that but if you're resilient you're okay I can get back from this I know how to bounce back I'm able to move past the failure that I may have um encountered during my goal process does that make sense yeah so resilience is what helps you pick yourself back up and try again after something doesn't go your way um which can happen when you're, you know, working towards a goal that you're hoping for or, you know, even can happen when you were optimistic towards something good happening and the good thing you thought was going to happen didn't happen um, or you thought you mm-hmm. had the skills to address something and maybe it turns out you needed to learn a little bit more before you could address them. So resiliency kind of helps you to keep going even if you face challenges based on your other kinds of attitudes. Exactly. So you can see kind of how all four of them tie in together to make like a really nice um, group of resources. So again, we're talking about resources and what that means is that these are things that you can draw on to help you when you're facing challenges or when you're just going about your work day. You know, if you have high self-efficacy, if you really believe in your skills and you're confident in your ability, you're more likely to put in the effort and, you know, accomplish those goals, right? If you're high in optimism, you're positive um, outlook, you think think things are going to go well, you're again, more likely to keep working towards your goals, more likely to um, feel positively. Same goes with hope. And then with resilience, it's kind of all comes back to the same thing. Like the goal of all of these different resources is to help you overcome stress, stressors, challenges, anything difficult that might be going on at work. And even if it's not difficult, just being able to meet your goals and keep moving forward in a positive way. So the four of them combined by their powers combined, they are (laughs) captain psychological. (laughs) But but by the four of them combined, if you couldn't be high on all of them, then um, you're going to have more positive outcomes in terms of being able to achieve your goals and being able to, you know, maintain wellness during tough times, right? Exactly. Yes. Psychological capital is definitely connected to well-being. So if you're high in all of these four resources, you're going to be better off. You're going to be able to overcome stress in a positive way. You're going to have positive attitudes. You're going to, your stress levels will be lower. You're just going to be better off, higher well-being overall. So it's really, really important um, if you're able to improve your psychological capital to do so because it has so many positive benefits on your well-being and then your employer will be happy because it also has benefits on your performance. So how do we get better at this stuff? So even though they all sound like nice things, I'm sure we can all think of times when we've faced challenges that seemed really difficult to get over or we've gone through really hard times where it was difficult to be optimistic. Um, So what can we do to kind of build those resources to make sure that when we face those challenges, we're more successful? Yeah. So the intervention in the study, the Luthans and all the other authors study from 2006, um, it was really a training that they did for a number of people within an organization. And 
the thing that's cool about it though is as I was reading through it and kind of getting to know it a little bit I thought okay well yeah obviously this would be nice if you had a facilitator a trainer to do all of this but there's a lot that you can do on your own Um, a lot of the work that you're doing in this training is individual work and then you can do the pieces that are supposed to be in a group you could easily do that with your manager or with your peers. Um, you could do this with your team to help you and the whole team build their psychological capital. So it's not it's not so complicated that you have to be in a training situation where a trainer has to do a certain thing to walk you through it. I'm sure that would help. Be great. But that's not always available to everybody. Um, so I really think that there's a lot we can do, though, based on the literature to help develop psychological capital on your own. So... With that, the session is pretty short. Actually, they do one to three hours depending on the number of people. So again, very manageable to do on your own and you could do break it up if you need to. And it all starts with goals. So we talked a lot about how self-efficacy and optimism, hope, resiliency, how those things can actually help you, you know, achieve your goals, move towards those goals. So the whole intervention starts with identifying goals. So you're going to sit down and you're going to write down your biggest goals. Think about some really important goals to yourself, personally valuable. So think about what is your next career step that you want to take? Um, you know, maybe it's something in your personal life. Like for us, it was launching a podcast, right? So we wanted to launch a podcast. So what would, that could be a good goal. Whatever it is that you might be doing, have a wedding on time. <laughs> the, t- the place you're supposed to be having a wedding. <laughs> so whatever the goal is, you want to think through a number of different goals and figure out exactly which goal you want to focus in on. And then what you do is you look at all your goals, you pick which one you want to focus on, spend that time focusing on it. And what you're going to do is you're going to cut Think of concrete details of that goal. So how can you get there? What can you do to reach your goal? And the thing that you want to think about is these goals are supposed to be more of approach goals than avoidance goals. So you don't want to do something like, I want to stop eating fast food because that's you avoiding something versus I want to start eating more vegetables. So you want to think about um, something that you're moving towards versus away, something more positive versus negative when you're thinking of your goals. So if I'm moving towards having my wedding, um, I'm going to be thinking about what are the things that need to happen to get me there versus how can I avoid this? And that becomes a lot more negative and doesn't really help you with with creating those positive emotions and those positive um, resources that we talked about, like optimism. Okay. So you make your goals, you pick a goal to focus on, make sure it's an approach related goal. And then you start thinking about what are those sub goals? So if I want to have a wedding in May, what do I need to do to get there? Well, I need to find a venue (laughs) that does not cancel. (laughs) Um, Then I need to, you know, find a caterer or, you know, whatever the steps might be, right? You want to think through all the different steps. Like I need to do this thing by this date. Be really specific with your sub goal. So you really want to figure out like what are the little things that I need to achieve before I can get to my big goal. So any questions on that so far? (laughs) Yeah. So, so I think that part's really important because, um, I, at the end of most trainings that I've delivered, I actually ask people to take the last 20 minutes or so and write down several concrete steps that they think they're going to take as a result of what they learned. And then I make them actually put it on their calendar. So like, when are you going to do it? Um, Mm -hmm. it's not just like, cause I think a lot of times when people set a goal or, they learn something new that's useful for them 
or whatever the case may be, anything that requires action on your part to make something come from it. I think a lot of times people, it sounds nice. They feel motivated to do it. The goal sounds interesting or they're, you know, they feel, they feel compelled towards whatever the outcome would be, but they don't put enough um, concrete action around how they're going to get there. And then they don't take those first steps to actually get towards achieving it. So it kind of just stays like a theory or a concept um, but it mm-hmm. doesn't actually turn into action or it gets bumped down the line so far that once you start taking actions for it, it's not going to come to fruition in the way that you wanted it to because it's not as well planned out as it could be. So that makes a lot of sense to me, like a really stupid example that comes to mind and also goes with the avoidance versus approach goal is that, you know, I used to like destroy my fingernails like my whole life. <laughs> I have a nervous habit of just like picking, my, biting my fingernails. It's terrible. I've been doing it since I was like three And for the first time now, for the last like six months, I have grown out my nails. And the reason why was because I was always setting this goal of like, don't bother them. Don't pick at them. Don't fuss with them. And then suddenly I just started making a goal of you will go get your nails done every two weeks. And I like put it on my calendar. And then once I started to go get them done, then I don't pick them anymore because they're done. And if I keep it on my schedule on a regular basis, it's not enough time for me to like see that they're chipping, that I'll start to pick at it. And now they've grown for the longest time I've ever had them grown out. And they look really nice, but it was because I wasn't trying to like avoid something. I was trying to go towards something that helps me approach the goal. And it was really clear and concrete. It's scheduled. I know exactly what I need to do and it works. So I keep doing it. And like, probably not the best example from a work perspective, but it's a similar (laughs) idea um, related to what you need to do. Cause like nothing had worked for me, but then that did. So, um, and it goes with the framework that you put out. Yeah, exactly. I think that's really important to, to focus in on something that you're approaching, something that you're going to be doing. So maybe it's, you want to learn a new coding language, right? And so that's a great goal, but how do you get there? Okay. Well, I need to first, pick the coding language I want to learn then I need to figure out where can I take a class or do I want to find a book or maybe I do both and what what book am I going to be looking at and when do I need to take this class by and then after I take that class how am I going to test my skills you know so there's a lot of different steps to take to get to be fluent in a specific coding language so there's a lot of different um you know sub goals that you really want to be thinking about because I think it does like you said help you get to where you want to be so if you're going to be learning this coding language maybe you like you said sit on your calendar all right well I have time during my work week that I can maybe take two hours a work week to do some self-development based on my conversations with my manager and so I'm going to do that I'm going to block two hours of my work week to actually sit down and do it and having that blocked in your calendar is a really good way to get you to start accomplishing those sub goals. So maybe it's two hours. You take a class for two hours every week for four weeks, and then you do whatever other activity every week for the next four four weeks and creating those really concrete steps help you get to the goal that you want to achieve. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And that's like the whole thing with this intervention is it's all about being really concrete and thinking things through. And that goes back to, you know, hope you want to have those different pathways with resilience. You want to be able to overcome challenges and if you think through what those challenges are going to be and what different ways you can get to your goal that that's going to help you achieve that goal because if you get derailed you've got plan b plan c plan d plan e to get through it and to get to where you need to be so after you sit down and you figure out your goal and you've thought of some sub goals to get there 
then you really need to sit down and think about, okay, how can I get to this goal? So you have your sub goals, you have your goal. What are the ways to meet each of those little sub goals to get to your bigger goal? And maybe it, you know, some sub goals live in one pathway then and other sub goals live in a different pathway. So if I go back to that coding language example, maybe one pathway is I know I can take a class and I've got X number of dollars to take a self-development course. So I'm going to take a course. And then you're like, oh, well, one roadblock might be that we get a budget cut so I can no longer do that. So let's see. Another pathway could have a sub goal of reading these three different books, right? So you have three different sub goals, three different books, and that is a different pathway. So your sub goals and pathways can be different, right? Your The sub goals you're going to be looking at can be different for the different pathways. But the main crux of what I'm trying to say is you want to create a path and not just one path to your final goal, but multiple paths. So what are the many different ways that you can get to that final step, that final goal? Does that make yeah. sense? Uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And that goes back to that hope part of things uh, as well, because that piece of the intervention seems to be allowing you to brainstorm all these different pathways so you know you're actually thinking through what are the obstacles I'm going to face and how am I going to overcome them and I think that that's really important because you know when when you set goals a lot of the time you have this very idealistic view of how things are going to play out like you know I'm gonna every lunch break I'm gonna go for a 30 minute walk or whatever and then you know maybe you do that for the first couple days and then the third day something happens at work and you end up having to work through your lunch break and now the lunch break is gone and there's no time for you to do it and now you don't get your walk in that day so if you think about okay well on a day that you know maybe something like that happens maybe I brainstorm ways to tell the people around me that I'm not going to actually be able to um uh, help them with whatever the fire is if it's not urgent and I'm going to prioritize taking my walk if that's not possible then maybe I brainstorm ways that I might be able to bump my lunchtime and take my walk at a different time or maybe I say on days when that happens I make sure that before I make dinner I go for a 30 minute walk around my neighborhood so you can think about how to start prioritizing the time that you set out there but only if you're realistic about the fact that your day probably isn't going to be so predictable that every single day at noon you can make a walk happen. So how are you how are you going to end up meeting your goal? Exactly. And really all of the next couple pieces about thinking through your goal is what are the different paths to get to your goal? But then it's thinking about okay, what resources do you need? For all of the for each of those pathways that you've written out, what resources do you actually need to help you get there? So that kind of gets to like what are you ta- what you talked about? Like, oh, maybe I have an alternative backup plan for when I don't meet that goal. So one of my resources is the time before dinner, right? That's something that I can leverage. Maybe my resource is, um, like I said earlier, the budget for my personal development classes or, um, you know, my friend who already knows the coding language that I can lean on. Or whatever it might be, right? So you want to think through all the resources that you might need and that you can leverage to help you reach your goal. And at the same time, you want to think about obstacles. So like we already talked about, Katina, your example is really good about the walk. You know, maybe you don't get to it. Maybe you have to do it later in the day, whatever that might look like. Think about all the different obstacles. And you want to think about things really realistically. So if you say, you know, your resources, you have oh, you have an infinite amount of money to take as many classes as you want. That's probably not realistic. That's probably not true. You don't want, you want to make sure that your resources are really realistic, things that you can actually leverage. And then the obstacles too, right? Don't like the obstacles need to be something that's realistic. You need to think through what can actually happen and what can actually come up and not just write whatever obstacle just because, oh, I need an obstacle. So I'm going to write one down. Like, yeah, the sky's not going to fall. So 
I'm not going to worry about that one. Why am I even thinking about that obstacle? So really sitting down and thinking through your goals and your pathways and the resources available and the obstacles that might come up um, as realistically as possible. So just being very grounded in your approach to your goals is really key here. Yeah, that sounds very reasonable. Yeah, it is. I think it's a very simple, I mean, maybe not simple. That's probably not the right word because it can be challenging to think through some of this for your goals. But I think it's a, a very... In terms of the actual intervention, I think it's a really doable thing. It's a realistic goal to set to, to go through this intervention to build out your psychological capital. Yeah, um, The absolutely. other thing, so after you really go through and create your goals and think about your resources, that's where they start to bring in other people. And I think that's really an interesting place. So what you do is you're then encouraged to talk to people about your goal. And you talk to them about your resources, you talk to them about your pathways, you talk to them about different setbacks you might encounter. And, you know, when you face a setback, what's in your control, what's out of your control, um, what options do you have to overcome that setback to continue on that pathway versus shifting pathways. So you're encouraged to have this conversation as a group with a team. Maybe it's your team. You know, if it's a training that's done, obviously, in your company, you can maybe be working cross functionally, but even just with your manager, sitting down and talking through all these different things can be very helpful because then you're going to be brainstorming it with other people. So there might be other ideas. So the idea there is to just continue to think through this and to get other feedback and um, other information that can help you continue to think through your goals. So everybody has you know, their strengths and their blind spots, and it's really easy to overlook something that you're not used to. So I think that it's very key to actually um, go in and have those conversations because it helps you continue to think things through in a different way than if you're just sitting down and writing it down on your own. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think a lot of times people feel like, you know, everybody's so busy. They don't want to burden somebody with their, you know, issues with goal setting, etc. But I think if you can find a buddy who can help you to ensure that you're being able to do that. Like you find somebody else who's trying to set goals and then you yourself are saying, okay, well, you know, this is, this is, you know, what I'm doing. This is what I think is important. But at the same time, what, what are your goals? How can we share and keep Mm -hmm. each other accountable and talk through these sorts of things? So you don't feel like it's an uneven exchange. And I think that that could be really helpful in many ways. Yeah. So obviously, I think from a team building perspective, from a relationship building perspective, there's a lot going on there that's probably beyond just psychological capital development, right? You're creating a support system. So there's a lot of stuff that you're doing in that that exercise. Um, but part of it is just continuing to build that resource and being able to really know where to go with those goals. Um, yeah. The last thing, though, kind of goes back to self-efficacy. So we've talked a lot about like all the different goals, being realistic. How do you, you know, reach that goal, take all those steps, acknowledge all those setbacks. The thing that you think about when you, with efficacy is you want to think through, you know, how, what it would look like for you to actually achieve that goal. So what are you doing to achieve that goal? And the activity is simple, actually, that they do in this intervention is just getting up in front of the group and saying, if I, when I achieve this goal, this is what it's going to look like. I'm going to have done these things. I'm going to have gotten here and this will be the end result. So it's almost like a visualization, which I know is like such a kind of a, a fluffy thing that people talk about all the time. But in this case, there's some research to show that this visualization and doing it with the group and 
showing people how you would get your goal has actually an impact on um, on how the person feels around that goal and builds up that psychological capital. That's really cool. It sounds like, you know, it's really interesting to me because part of it is individual in terms of selecting your goals and your sub goals and thinking through obstacles and challenges, things like that. But others, other parts of it is very relational that mm-hmm. you uh, need to share with somebody else and sort of work with a group to share your vision. So um, kind of something interesting to think about because a lot of times I think people feel that their work life and their goals and their work and all that stuff is very personal and might not feel like they should share it with somebody else or that anybody else might care. But maybe if small groups of people in workplaces got together and worked on this together more frequently, if everyone's seeing the benefits, it might be a worthwhile way for people to spend their time um, and and brainstorming a little bit around how to achieve goals. Uh, if everybody's participating, then maybe people wouldn't feel so uh, reluctant to uh, participate in this kind of activity. Agreed. I think that is huge. You know, people, I think a lot of people avoid these types of activities because like you said, they think, oh, well, it's my personal goal. No one else cares. But there might also be just like, I don't know, competitiveness or other things going on where people just might not be willing to share. But it seems like there's a lot of benefit to that. And I think you should embrace it. You know, if you can find some people at work and even if it's not your team and maybe your manager isn't as supportive as you'd like, there's probably somebody out there that you connect with and talk to. And I guess even if it's not at work, maybe if you have to take it outside of work and work with friends, I'm sure that there's positive benefits to that too, right? If you're having such a hard time at work that you can't have these conversations with anybody at work, then maybe one of your goals is to figure out how to get out of that work or address the problem in some way. And that would be great to have other people's perspective on that goal as well. Because again, people have different perspectives. So they're going to help you figure things out and you're going to help other people figure things out. And just being very tactical and very concrete in what you're, what advice you're giving each other by basing it around these goals and basing it on the ways to achieve a certain goal, um, I think is huge. So you're not just like giving willy nilly advice. It's very focused And it helps you think everything through in a lot of detail to get to where you want to be. Um, And then at the end, you know, you've thought through all this and you think about what that would look like to actually accomplish this goal. And then you're feeling confident and then you're, you know, that confidence, that optimism is going to help push you through to actually achieve your goal. Yeah. So I guess one takeaway for listeners would be, you know, if you're feeling like you'd like to grow this resource, which it really sounds like it's a good thing for everybody to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Locate people in your life that you would like to start kind of a psychological capital circle with. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, think about maybe putting, you know, use the same principles, like uh, contact some people and see if they'd be interested. And then whoever's interested, just put some time on the calendar on a regular interval where you hold that time to help walk each other through you know what are the goals that you're facing what's the goal that you're going to talk about today what are some of the obstacles that you might face in that goal what are some of the paths that you might take to achieve the goal and then sort of visioning what it would look like for you to achieve that goal um and get and get to your end point i think that that could be a really cool takeaway for people to to try to take action on i totally agree and i think from a managerial perspective too um you have a lot of influence to do that with your teams so Obviously, from an individual employee, like finding that group is great. If you're a manager and you have a team that, you know, is willing to have these conversations at the group level, I think do it. Like have these conversations, set up a team meeting where you talk about goals and how to get to your goals. You know, helping the whole team kind of work together, I think, is going to build a lot of support within the team and 
obviously psychological capital for each person. Yeah. And role modeling those behaviors as the leader, I think could be really key as well. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, if people do feel funny sharing their goals, et cetera, if you're going to kick that off and it doesn't, I don't think have to be a super long activity or exercise. Um, you could probably get a lot done with each person going around and talking about their goals fairly briefly and, you know, showing some encouragement or support for each other. But if you go first and show that you're willing to be transparent about what you're working towards and what you see as obstacles, you may even help each other problem solve or brainstorm because maybe some of the obstacles you think you might perceive or that you think you might come up against are interpersonal in nature and you might be able to work through them somehow by presenting them to the group. Um, So you may actually give yourself less of a hard time in achieving your goals if you're transparent about what you think the obstacles might be and what the pathways are. You might get ideas for new pathways as well. Um, So it might actually help uh, from a a hope perspective to get some different perspective in uh, how you might go about getting to your goal also. I totally agree. I think that is a big benefit of this type of intervention. And I think you're right that it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't have to, especially if you do the work up front, right? Like maybe you have in one of your team meetings that you already have in place, you just explain this process and have them listen to the show or whatever you want to do to explain that the, how, what, how they pick a goal and just start thinking through what obstacles they might face and sub goals. So if they've already done some of that processing as an individual level on their own, you come into the meeting then it's just talking about it, right? So you, it doesn't have to take all day. Um, this intervention that they talk about, like I said, takes one to three hours depending on the number of people. So that's very, very doable and very reasonable. You probably don't need three hours if you're not sitting there writing about your goals at that moment. I think an hour is more than enough. And I'm sure there's plenty of hour meetings that you waste that entire hour doing nothing. So be more productive and do this instead. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, I think that this all has been awesome. Is there anything else that we didn't cover yet that you think uh, people listening should know about how to use this information? Um, I don't think so. I think we've covered pretty much everything I wanted to say. And I just want to reiterate that, you know, psychological capital does have a lot of uh, major benefits for your well-being and for your performance. So I think it's something to really consider and think through if this is something that could fit into your life to help you um be well at work yeah it's a combination of four things that are really good for you like a fancy juice for your brain (laughs) (laughs) vitamin a vitamin b vitamin c vitamin d all in one yeah and a shot of wheatgrass or something (laughs) (laughs) exactly well thank you so much thank you for reading this article i think this was really helpful i learned a lot i hope everyone else did too um and i appreciate you bringing all these great insights to the table of course love it too And if everybody wants to reach out to us, which we hope you do, we'd love to hear your stories. If you are able to put in this intervention, if you want to talk through your goals, we're always happy to listen. So please reach out. You can find us at workerbeing.com. You can also email us at workerbeing at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media. We're at workerbeing on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Bye. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.